This is Nejat uh, from Goucher. Okay. Uh, yes, we connected over email about the um, Goucher oh, call. Oh, right, about the interview. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Is this still a good time? It's a great time. Awesome. How was uh, Passover? Uh, hectic. Oh, <laughs> like uh, many holidays, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, but it was good. You know, I had I had 18 people for dinner on Wednesday night. So. Oh, goodness. Yeah. I mean, you know, for the Seder, you know, it was, uh, yeah, we have a, a pretty long ritual, so. Yeah, full dinner table. That's great, though. Oh, yeah, it is. It's great. Yeah. Uh, so before we start, I just wanted to give you, uh, you know, a quick background about the project. Uh, so our chaplain, Cynthia Terry, has been wanting to collect an oral history um, for a while now. But the idea really came into fruition when um, planning for the Interfaith Center. And we thought that um, in inviting this new space um, at Goucher that we wanted to reflect on how our students have experienced religious life on campus, especially those who are not part of the majority. Um, and so we wanted to not only give you all the opportunity um, to share your story, but also to learn from it and to hopefully make future students' experiences um, better and to use the space in a more meaningful way. Okay. Awesome. Um, so there's a school chaplain now? Yes, Cynthia Terry is the school chaplain. Um, okay. So if you um, are ready, we can just um, get started. Right, did you get, I did mail in the consent form, did you get it? Yes, um, uh, Cynthia Terry actually got it. And um, yeah, so we are good to go. Thank you for sending okay. that in, yeah. Um, okay. So we can start with a quick introduction from you, such as your name, what year you graduated, what you studied, and things like that. Sure. My name is Jen Carol Kaufman. Um, I was a history major. I graduated in 1974. I was a commuter student. You said a two-year uh, student? Well, I was a commuter student. Ah, uh, uh, okay. I, I did not live on campus. Mm-hmm. Did you live um, near Baltimore? Yeah, I lived, I grew up, you know where Mount Washington is? Yeah, I, I'm from uh, Maryland, so. Oh, yeah, so close. I grew up in Mount Washington, like off Philica Road. Just, I just want to turn off the television, just hold on one second. Oh, no problem. I'm glued to this moment report. <laughs> no, no, I understand. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I lived in Mount Washington, which is near, which is in Baltimore City. So, um, take me to a time before Goucher College. Um, what were your interactions with religion like? Wow, well, uh, I went to Jewish school. In Baltimore, Beth Fafilla, until junior high school. 
Then I went to public school. And I went to um, high school in um, in I went in Baltimore City. I went to Western. I don't know if you know where that is. Mm-hmm. So I went to Western Senior High School. It was really my first time in my life I wasn't in a home with a whole lot, a lot of other Jewish kids. It was really kind of interesting that way. Mm-hmm. Because when I went to junior high school in Pimlico, there were a lot of Jewish kids. I mean, the school was mostly African-American, but I still, there were still, you know, lots of, um, you know, plenty of Jewish kids. And I went to the Baltimore Hebrew College, which on on those days were, uh, was um, Park Heights Avenue, like near Northern Parkway, Mm -hmm. you know where that is? And so I went there, um, so I went to Hebrew College. I went to Hebrew College all through, um, my um, my junior high school, high school, and college, all the time I was at Goucher. Oh, wow. I went there for eight years, yeah. And when I was at Goucher, I went at nights and Sundays. And um, what was the program like? Hebrew college? Mm-hmm. In high school or in college? Uh, I mean, it was pretty mm-hmm. rigorous. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was all in Hebrew. We didn't really have any, you know, in English except for Jewish history. Mm-hmm. So um, the mission of the college um, was to get a better understanding of Jewish traditions. Am I correct? Uh, right, and uh, culture, and literature, and language. It was very much focused on the Hebrew language. Mm-hmm. It didn't like care, didn't care how religious you were. They, they just wanted you to sort of know a lot. And I really took to it like a sponge. Mm. So what were some of your most prominent um, memories from religious practices and things like that? Holidays, maybe? Yeah, but I think also um, quite the intellectual experiences. Because I remember having an experience when I was Oh, maybe 10, mm-hmm. learning about the rise of religious reform in Germany in the mid-18th century. Mm-hmm. And I was a kid, I, my parents were not that religious. I mean, we were kosher at home, and they sent me to a Jewish school. We went to synagogue, but they didn't observe Sabbath or anything. Okay. They went shopping after services on Saturday. I stopped doing that when I was uh, going into sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And, and I, but I wasn't, I don't really believe very much. <laughs> uh, it's just that I, um, I didn't believe, but I told my parents that it didn't really matter to me whether I believed or not. And what was really important to me was the intellectual understanding. So when I, 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 I was learning about the rise of religious form in Germany, and there were all these people who were scholars. Mm-hmm. And they uh, were religious, mm-hmm. and they, in their personal lives, they were observant, but they understood that, that not everything like that appears in the Torah is true, mm-hmm. and that Jewish literature and tradition evolved, 
you know, historically, economically, sociologically, and they put Jewish tradition through the same rigors that they would put the modern, that they would put every, any other field, the same kind of scientific zeitgeist or Wissenschaft. Mm-hmm. And that was really important to me. When I, told, when, when I was 10 years old and I told my parents, I was sixth grade, I didn't believe that the oil and Hanukkah lasted for eight days, because that's the story that mm-hmm. there, was a, there was enough oil to last for one day, but it lasted for eight days. Like, I didn't believe that for one minute. And my, my mother asked me if I still wanted my presents for Hanukkah. I said, of course I did. <laughs> and, I said, and I said to my mother, I said, Mommy, we have to make the blessing over the candles. We have to do the blessing because it's called, it was called the Bracha Shel Mitzvah, a certain category of blessing. Mm-hmm. And the blessing that you do when you're commanded to do something. I said, Mommy, it's a really important blessing. Just because I don't believe in the story of oil doesn't mean we don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. So um, then my father, I remember, he sat me down in our breakfast book and he told me that. He didn't care about that story of the oil. We were Maccabees and we were strong and we had the state of Israel and and they you know, they weren't ever gonna do that to us again, by which he meant they were not gonna be able to slaughter us like they did in the Holocaust. Mhm. I, mean, I, I I knew exactly what he meant. Right. So for you especially at a younger age, you were more drawn to Judaism due to the intellectual by the intellectual side rather than the spiritual religious side, is that correct? Correct. Hmm. Um, but my religious observance stemmed from my cultural identification and from my intellectual identification. Hmm. My spirit, I don't care that much about spiritual stuff. I mean, if you ask me if I believe in supernatural God, I'll tell you I believe in supernatural God, but I don't really care. <laughs> I don't find God very interesting. Let's put it that way. Hmm. So, I think other things are much more interesting to study, like Talmud, like Hebrew literature, like Jewish history, hmm. like Midrash. I think it's a lot more interesting than just like talking about God. I think that's just boring. I see. And would like was your family very real? Uh, um, I mean, your, like your parents. Did you have siblings? No. Okay. So were your parents very practicing, um, or did well, they? Well, they were connect, practicing, but they weren't. I mean, they weren't. Uh, they weren't as observant as I was. But I told you, we kept. We kept. My parents sent me to a Jewish day school, mm-hmm. so I learned Hebrew mm-hmm. and learned the the text of our people in the language in the original language in which it was written mm-hmm. that was very important to my parents they wanted me to learn a lot about Jewish tradition and Jewish culture and you know we were we were like strictly kosher at home mm-hmm. we, we ate non kosher food out but my I stopped my father and I both stopped when I was about fourteen okay well I wasn't really eating it anyway mm-hmm. by then I wasn't interested I was personally more you know Mm-hmm. religious in my but I stopped going to I used to go to ballet school at Peabody on Saturday afternoon after synagogue and I stopped in 6th grade I told my parents I wouldn't go on Saturday anymore mm-hmm. so I went to Harriet Eisner's ballet school on <laughs> Green Spring Avenue because I could go because it was near my house and I could go by myself and I went you know during the week after mm-hmm. school that's awesome. I, I mean, my parents didn't object to my being more religious than they, because they sent me to Jewish school. Like, what do they expect? And I, <laughs> right. ne- I was never a fundamentalist. Mm-hmm. Even though I became personally more ritually observant, and I never, like, believed that God was going to strike anybody down, or that this is a, this is like God, what God, you know. I sort of believed I was inspired by God to do it, but I didn't think like God talked to me or anything like that. Mm-hmm. 
and that you know this is also and you know I had to be subservient and this is the will of God. I never I never thought of any of that stuff. So. Mm-hmm. I thought God wanted to do good things, but I didn't. I ne- I never had um an, you know like a five year old concept of God as a big man who like sits in the sky or anything. Right, right. I had a much more nuanced, much more sophisticated concept of God, and, and I wasn't very interested in it. Hmm. Let me. Yeah. Um. So, what was the college search and selection process like? Oh, well, that's an interesting story because I I'm not a high school graduate. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And my mother, yeah. my mother basically made a Faustian bargain. <laughs> Because uh, I went to Western, and I didn't like it very much. I didn't think my teachers were so... Um, some of them were smart and well-educated. Some of them were decently educated. I didn't think they were that well-educated. And I went to the Western A course. It was in a very elite course. But I, except for one or two teachers, I didn't think my teachers were, were particularly intellectually curious. Mm-hmm. Even though some of them were good pedagogues, I guess, and good, you know, were smart enough. But I didn't think that the realm of ideas really interested them. Mm-hmm. So I told my father I want to go back to school. See, and he, when I went to Hebrew college, mm-hmm. I did it nights and Sundays. I love them because my teachers at Hebrew college, most of them were refugees from the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Wow. They all had very, yeah, not all of them, but most of them. And they all had very um, rigorous backgrounds. They had come from Eastern Europe and they had studied in traditional yeshivot. you know what yeshiva is? I, I actually like, don't, yeah. You know, they, they, were, they studied traditional yeshivot in Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. But they also had doctorates. If it was before the war, they had them from places like the University of Berlin or the University of Warsaw. If they, if they were a little few years younger, they managed to escape to someplace else. Mm-hmm. They got their doctorates in, you know, in Cambridge or the University of London or, you know, in a place that wasn't occupied by the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Or they came to the United States and they got their doctorates in Columbia. So they were quite well educated, and they were steeped in the realm of ideas, even though they had these traditional uh, observance backgrounds. Mm-hmm. It did not; it didn't interfere with their intellectual rigor. Mm-hmm. And our rabbi, who was not a Holocaust survivor, he he was born in the old, in Russia, I think, but he came to the United States as a child mm-hmm. in you know the early part, very early part of the twentieth century. Uh, and he had a uh, doctorate from Columbia in Near Eastern Studies, and he spoke nine languages. Wow. And he taught at Johns Hopkins one day a week. Uh, and he was the rabbi of our congregation, and he was... Uh, well, our congregation was it was nominally Orthodox, but he was a graduate of the Jewish Theological Seminary, which was conservative, but he got private ordination from the chief rabbi of Pal- in Palestine at the time. Mm-hmm. When he went to study, when he went, why did, we, why did he go to pre-state Israel, mandatory Palestine? Because he wanted to study at the biblical base, or the BASOR, the biblical, uh, you know, archaeological, the biblical Society of Oriental Research. Mm-hmm. And Professor William Foxall Albright, who taught at Hopkins, I don't know if that means anything to you. He taught mm-hmm. ancient Near East studies. He was the, I don't know if he was the founder or he was very, he, or he was the chairman of a lot of, of the learning at this institute in, in Israel. So that's a pre-state Israel, mandatory Palestine. So that's why our rabbi went there and he got his PhD. So he was a very fine scholar. And my parents told me mm-hmm. that my job was to sit at the feet of scholars and learn. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. My parents didn't give a damn how what, what teachers' pedagogical methods were. I mean, that was irrelevant to my parents. Mm-hmm. Like, you put your tushy in a chair, and you learn from the teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, and you you engage with what the teacher has to say. I mean, I, I wasn't... I wasn't raised to be so obedient and that I had to listen to every word that teacher. I could question a teacher, but that I had to um, absorb what the teacher gave me intellectually and I had to do all my homework. Hmm. Hmm. And how did, so how did that um, Oh, so because I didn't finish high school, okay, Mm -hmm. because I didn't finish high school, my mother told me that if I could get into a college that my parents approved of, and if I agreed to finish 11th grade, they would let me not graduate from high school. Mm. So I went, that's why I went to Goucher. So I applied to a few other schools, but because I had gone to Western and the eight-course curriculum at Western was developed by the education department at Goucher, like I think in the 1890s or something, a long time ago, oh. mm-hmm. I, Goucher was more likely to accept me. My parents are both Johns Hopkins graduates. My mother went to Hopkins when there were no girls. Mm-hmm. But my, and I didn't want to leave home. So I applied to a few other schools. The only one I got into, I think, was Rutgers. And that wasn't worth it to me. Mm-hmm. So um, Goucher, without a high school diploma, Goucher was the best school I got into. And I really wasn't, I didn't want to go away. I didn't want to spend my parents' money. I didn't want to share space or have to clean my room or wash my clothes because we had a housekeeper <laughs> to do that. Makes sense. We had a full-time housekeeper at home, and I didn't have to clean my room. I didn't do anything. And do you, would you say that uh, Goucher's academic rigor met your expectations, especially because of your background with um, the school that you're going to? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it seems Goucher like you... was very rigorous. And you said you studied history, so I think that aligns really well with um, what you're talking about, about all these uh, scholars that you have access to and all that they were able to share with you. Absolutely. That must have given you a really unique lens in your major. Yeah, I think that's true. I would agree with that. So were there moments in your college experience where your religious identity was very visible? Oh, yeah. Ken Walker. I mean, I thought he was the biggest anti-Semite that ever walked the face of the earth. Um, and uh, he died you know, a few months into college. I remember Amy, um, uh, Amy Meisler, I can't remember her main name. Um, we just used to look at each other in class and cringe. Mm. Um, I, and I think also my religious identity was challenged because I didn't go to class on any Jewish holidays. I don't think a lot of my teachers appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Because what, what they considered minor holidays were still holidays you couldn't work on. I don't think anybody objected that I didn't go to show on the high holidays. I mean, yeah, when I went to Gatcher, the third of the students were Jewish, but none of them were very observant. Okay. Mm-hmm. A few. Only a handful. Mm-hmm. So, that my, so my religious identity was pretty was pretty visible, and I was involved in the I'm Jewish Student Alliance. Mm-hmm. So Hillel wasn't there at the time that you Correct. were attending? There was no Hillel. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. We had something called Avivim, mm-hmm. which was the Jewish um, Intercollegiate Council of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. The Jewish 
Council for College Youth or something, but it was intercollegiate council. It was run out of the Jewish Community Center on Park Heights Avenue. Do you know where that is? I, do, I don't think I do. It was right down the street from the Baltimore Hebrew College. Just Park Heights and Northern Parkway. Mm-hmm. And basically they took whatever staff person, the, the, the Jewish Community Center basically took whatever junior staff person was around and they made that person the liaison to the, all the college students. It wasn't mm-hmm. a very high priority. Mm-hmm. But my my college worker, mm-hmm. first year, was a shaliach from Israel. That means, a shaliach really means emissary, but he was sent by the Jewish agency to um, to be at the Jewish Community Center to engage in Israel programming. Mm-hmm. His name was, he became very famous. His name was Avram Infeld. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was a native English speaker. He was born in South Africa. Oh, wow. Yeah, you should look him up. It's I-N-F-E-L-D. He became very prominent. And then the next year was Alan Reitzes, who ended up being the head of the Jewish Federation in Toronto. So we had these, you know, we had these um, different um, college workers. So it was this, it was um, Goucher, Hopkins, Loyola, Towson, uh, and UMBC. So it was like, a, so did one um, community worker work across all of the schools? Uh-huh, all those okay. colleges, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we had, like, retreats together, and we had some programs on our own campuses, mm-hmm. but we also had these retreats across campuses. Galtrin Hopkins did a lot of the programming together. Mm-hmm. See, Hopkins had a kosher dining hall, and Galtrin didn't. When mm-hmm. I went to Galtrin, the kids who were, wanted to keep kosher, there were a few. Mm-hmm. They ate tuna fish. Wow. That's I mean, they just, you yeah. know, that's how they survived on, mm-hmm. you know, tuna fish and cottage cheese and fruit, fresh fruit. Mm-hmm. You know, unless there was like a Shabbat dinner that they brought in a kosher caterer, there was like very little kosher food. Because I remember on Monday night when I had class at Hebrew College, there were some girls, because when I was together, it was all girls, mm-hmm. um, who would come home with me because they would also like, take a class at the Hebrew College. And I remember my father would have like steak and potatoes right waiting for that. <laughs> they could have a good kosher steak. Because, uh, you know, we were kosher at home. There were a, a lot of the Jewish kids who commuted to come from kosher homes. Mm-hmm. And we had, a, mm-hmm. we had a commuter lounge. And the kosher kids, we brought our own lunch. Mm. You know, I would buy yogurt at school or a soda or something, but I brought my lunch every day. That's interesting because Goucher thus far has grown so much and even having its own kosher dining plan and its own... Right. Kosher, uh, um, section of the dining hall and things like that. So that's right. It's good that they have. I knew that, but it wasn't there when I went to Goucher, and there were Mm -hmm. tons of Jewish students when I went to Goucher. I I mean, Goucher did not lack Mm -hmm. for the percentage of Jewish students. I told you it was thirty percent when I was there. So besides the students that um shared your religious background or your way of practicing, um, what were some ways that you connected to your peers? Well, I connected to a lot of my peers to the Jewish Student Association. You know, I did a lot of activities with them. Mm-hmm. Do you remember one particular activity that may have been popular or um, that you enjoyed planning? And I remember one activity that made a big impression on me. When Sandy and Dennis Sasso came to speak in um, 1972, they had just graduated from Brandeis, and they were a couple who was in rabbinical school together at the Reconstructors Rabbinical College in 
Philadelphia that made a big impression on me. Um, what did I like planning? We, we would always go to these protest marches because there were like Iraqi Jews being hung and Syrian Jews being hung, mm. you know, by their home countries. It was the very beginning of the Soviet Jewry, Soviet Jewry movement. And we like spent a lot of our time. You know what Oktag is? Um, I've heard of it. Yeah, it's like big sheets of uh, flimsy cardboard. Mm-hmm. And we'd make signs with magic markers. Mm-hmm. And we we attach them to painter sticks. And we carry them to our own rallies. Like free oh. Soviet Jews now. But, you know, we, that was fun. I like planning that. And um, did uh, um, non-Jewish students participate in um, those activities? No. Okay. And I related to my the, my wider peers in school mostly through the commuter lounge. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I didn't have outside of the Jewish Student Alliance, Jewish Student Association. I didn't. I didn't have a lot of friends at Gasher except for the, some of the kids in the commuter lounge. Mm-hmm. except for the Jewish activities, I went to school and I went home. Mm-hmm. So I had to get to my other school and I did my homework. Right. Right. And for the first year and a half, my mother and I shared a car. My mother was with the faculty at Hopkins. And I don't know if they still have a shuttle, but they had a shuttle between Goucher and Hopkins. Mm-hmm. And I took very early classes in the morning because I wanted to have a lot of time to study. Uh, so um, at the end of the day, when I was ready to leave school, I would take the shuttle to Hopkins and study in the Hopkins Library until I, I was ready to meet my mother to go home. And on Mondays and Thursdays, like, we had to go home really fast. I would, like, run to the bathroom and then run to my class at 7.30. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I have time to go to the bathroom and go to class. Um, and, and I wasn't, my parents didn't believe in you ate until all your homework was done. So. Mm-hmm. I don't relate to that. <laughs> Um, so what were some specific moments in your college experience when your identity as a religious minority was most palpable? So maybe in a classroom discussion or, um, maybe... No, when I took off for Jewish holidays and the mm. teachers were not happy about it. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. That was, for me, the worst. Were there, um, Jewish faculty at the time? Oh, yeah. Okay. Most of the Jewish faculty didn't care. The only people who cared really was, um... Got Mrs. Goddison. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was her first name? She taught French. I don't know if she's still alive. Julie Velder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Eli retired not so long ago. He was actually went to college with my mother. He was in the education department. I had Elaine Compliment for math, who cared a little bit, mm-hmm. not a lot. Mm-hmm. Um. And that was really it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it was Jewish, most of the Jewish faculty didn't care to identify with um, uh, Jews. Mm-hmm. They didn't care to identify with their religious Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you um, how do you feel that your religious experience at Goucher shaped your post uh, postgraduate relationship with Judaism?
Well, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, I, I don't... I have to think about that for a second. What Gaucho really did for me was give me this, uh, further my sense of intellectual rigor. Mm-hmm. It did that for me more than anything else. Hmm. In terms of uh, what Gaucho did for my sense of Judaism, I think it it made me wear it on my sleeve a little bit more mm-hmm. and not be afraid to kind of talk about it in um, broader terms. Mm-hmm. But I went to, um, you know, I went to a bit of, I, 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 for a year I was in, um, I went to, graduate school they wouldn't take me in rabbinical school because I was only 19 so I had mm-hmm. to wait a year and, um, did you I, continue I, I wrote a to... lot of papers at Goucher mm-hmm. did you continue to study Judaism after Goucher and um... oh yeah yeah sure I went to graduate school for a year at the Jewish Theological Seminary mm-hmm. and I became a rabbi oh I, that's great I didn't know that you were a rabbi How's that? Years, how's that been? How? Well, um, uh, I mean, I've been a rabbi for forty years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been retired for five years already, six years. And did you always know? Did you always know that you wanted to follow that path? Ever since I was in seventh grade, yeah, wow. 1967, 1967, I made that. Mm. Um. So. Besides increasing the number of students um, with a Jewish background, what were some resources that could have improved your religious experience at Goucher? Could have improved my religious experience? More mm-hmm. access to kosher food. Mm-hmm. I think I would have liked to have, like, even though I was a commuter, I think I would have liked to have gone to the dining hall for lunch and mm-hmm. been able to eat kosher food and socialize with more people. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I think a less hostile attitude to my religious observance. Mm-hmm. You know, like I would run to Goucher like the day before, like I'd do my homework in advance. Mm-hmm. Jewish holidays, I would run to school to turn it in. Mm-hmm. So that was, I think, that was more that that was what what really um i guess well that's what really have made my uh, experience uh, more meaningful so as goucher is preparing to build <clears throat> the goldsmith interface center um what do you think is the value of such a place yeah, well, it's so funny. The gold is that's named after um, uh, what, um, what was her name? After gold, yeah. Um, well, I, I I I give her a lot of credit for wanting to do this. A Beth Beth Goldsmith, right? Mm-hmm. She's the one providing the money, and she was a gaucho with me. Oh, did you know each other well? 
No, she was a senior when I was a freshman. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know her well, but she was Beth Himmelstein then. Um, she was getting divorced from Jack Himmelstein, I remember. And so she was way, you know, she was ahead of me in school. She was married. It, you know, it was a different. Mm-hmm. It was a different um, kind of place. Mm-hmm. So I think what the I think what the Goldsmith Center is going to do is it's going to let people a really um, experience. It's going to let it's going to let the Jewish students have a, a place of pride. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the way to put it. And how do you think having uh, that kind of space would have um, impacted your experience at Goucher? Or would it have? It would have made me more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my last question is, is there anything else that you would like to share about your experience? Perhaps... Um, some advice or a specific memory that stands out to you about your time? Yeah, I guess Jean Baker's senior history seminar. Mm -hmm. My, she was my favorite teacher in college. Mm Mm-hmm. I think she retired not so long ago. And what do you think was the most impactful part of that um, assignment for you, or that? Um, I that I did my senior thesis on a, on a Holocaust related theme. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it based on Richard Rubenstein's After Auschwitz book, mm-hmm. and the how the death of God related to Holocaust, and I presented it along with a play called Night Words. That David Rosky, who at the time was a graduate student at Brandeis, wrote, and it was very powerful. <clears throat> well, that's uh, that's. I'm really glad that you were able to, um, I guess, utilize what you've already, the knowledge that you've already had, and the experiences and the teachers that you had, um, to build on that through Goucher and then um, pursue uh, like an amazing career. Yeah, I had a pretty, I had a pretty a good career. Yeah, I worked for, you know, I went to law school when I after nineteen eighty four when we started law school, mm-hmm. and I got a law degree from GW. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so thank you so much for um doing this interview with me, and um, the recording for this interview will probably be up with the rest of. Um, this set and hopefully it'll be up by the end of the semester there will be a presentation about the interfaith center in a couple of weeks and also at the symposium day on may 10th Um, but other than that it'll be in the library's archives until hopefully we can put something physical um, like a physical presentation together once the interfaith center is constructed
Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great evening. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.